0: Welcome to the Brazil Church of the Nazarene Weekly Sermon Podcast for Sunday, January twenty seventh, 2019. Today, Pastor Marlon Betts continues Paul's message to the Philippians with chapter 2, verse 14, Do all things without complaining and disputing. Pastor compares people's grumbling to a hive of bees whose buzzing grows louder and louder. Paul's advice was to stay away from the buzzing. Let's listen to the Pastor's message to find out what Paul was writing about.
1: to make sure everybody's awake. It's so good to see you. Good to be here. Every one of your cotton picking faces. You can probably say something worse about mine. Anyway, that's just good to be in God's house. I'm sure glad we have Wednesday nights. That's, uh, Wednesday nights have given us an opportunity to get some weirdos together and so I can preach to them, because I, as I told them Wednesday night, I said, man, it's been a while since I've been preaching, you all are in for it. And uh, we had a good time <laughs> gathering together, and it's good to be in God's house too, this morning. It's good to see other Christians worshiping the Lord. And I think if I'd have canceled today, I think some of you were coming anyway. Uh, but uh, anyway, because some of them said I was coming, I didn't even matter. I think you'd have shoveled your way, salted your way, and you'd have got here. Well, it's good to be in God's house. Welcome to to worship again. We look at Philippians chapter two as we continue. But it's been a couple of weeks, uh, so we're going to review and go back just a, a little bit further because I want to set the stage of of where we where we've been. Um, this, this wonderful hymn of the church that we spent a while in from Philippians 2 verse 5. Let this mind be into you, you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being a found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, Even the death of the cross. This is the humiliation of Christ that Paul is pointing out. And when he got to the death on the cross, remember, he's writing to the Philippians. The Philippians were a Roman colony. They weren't even allowed to say the word cross. They wouldn't even have thought the word cross. It was so disparaging, so discouraging, so disgusting a topic to the Roman citizen. So by the time he gets, even the death on the cross, they're saying, man, this, there's no way. This is terrible. This is disgusting. The cross today is the most glorious symbol in the universe. But for many, many years, it was a very disgusting symbol. But Jesus went clear down, 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 down to the death on the cross. Therefore, the exaltation. God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven, those on earth, those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much, not much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And then today's verse do all things without complaining and disputing. Let's stand together as we pray. I should have had you stand for the word of the Lord, and I forgot, sorry. Lord Jesus, as we come to you today, we are grateful to be in your house, grateful to read your word, grateful to associate it and and think about it, and let it begin to flow within our hearts and our lives. And help us, Lord, to just draw closer to you today. Help us to take the negatives and turn them into positives. Help us, Lord, to be better Christians. Help us to have the mind of Christ, even if it means the death on the cross. (laughs) And help us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And we just pray that you would just help us now to think about these words that Paul is cautioning us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We've been looking at Paul's practical application to this humiliation and this exaltation of Christ, this V that we've been looking at. Uh, Because of what Christ did, Christians are to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We emphasized all those different words. And allow God to do his work in your life. There is no instant fix in Christianity. It is something we work at. Amen. We work at it. It's not just take a pill and you're automatically everything and life's going to be perfect. There's a lot of people that may get you that false notion. But no, it's work. 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 And as we work at it, God is working in us. Which is the next verse. (laughs) Yes, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. As we're working, God's working, and we're growing, and we're being better at being Christians. And our efforts plus God's effort means that we are victorious as Christians. There's no instant fix, but there's a lot of spiritual change, a lot of spiritual growth. Next, Paul mentioned that we need to embrace all things that are involved in Christianity, church ministry, growth in Christ. He said, do all things. But there are a couple things we should stay away from without, do all things without complaining and disputing. Your translation has different words, arguing maybe one of them. I don't know what it is, but we're going to look at those words this morning. Because Paul says there's some things we need to, as we're working in our salvation and God's working in us to help it to happen, there's a couple of things that we need to stay away from. We need to do without them. And so when fast food began years ago, the idea was fast food. Fast food meant you ordered number one or number five or whatever, and when you got that order in, you got it the way they made it. That was fast food because it's all pre-made, ready to roll. You made up Big Macs the way Big Macs are made. You you made up uh, cheeseburgers the way cheeseburgers were made. That was fast food. Then along came Burger King. And Burger King decided to make us all entrepreneurs in our selection of food. And they started a campaign in 1974. Anybody remember what it is? Have it your way. way. And all of a sudden fast food became slow food. (laughs) Because instead of having it their way, now you say, hold the lettuce, hold the pickle, hold the mayo, hold the add this and add this and add this. So, and I've worked at McDonald's, and so when they come in like that, what do you do? You have to start from scratch and build a burger according to their way. And it's not fast anymore. It's slow food. But they still want it to be as fast as they're coming through the drive-thru but they want it specially tailored. And then if you don't get it specially right, then they pull aside and come in and tell you it's not right. Oh, Debbie had a special burger one time. They forgot the meat. She was like, I think something's missing on my burger. Oh, did the manager have fun with that? He walked back there. What's wrong with this burger? (laughs) That's Wendy's. (laughs) All right. So for all of you who are back in the 70s, this was going to be a moment of nostalgia. For those of you born after 1975, you've missed the change from fast food to slow food. And here's the reason why.
0: your way. Have it your way. Have
1: it
0: your way at Burger King. May I help you, sir?
1: Two Whoppers, two Whopper Juniors,
0: and four Coca-Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? Or... No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. all we ask is that you let us serve it
1: your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your broad beef whopper, fresh with everything on top or any way you think is proper. Have it your way.
0: Now, that's the way to do things. Our way.
1: Have it your way.
0: Have it your way at Burger King. At Burger King.
1: All right. Now that took you back, didn't it? And that's what spoiled fast food. You notice instantly she sings in the microphone. Do they sing in the microphone when you go to Burger King? Or? And then instantly they had the bags ready for them. Yeah, not going to happen. Not when you say hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, and add some mustard. And No. Anyway, that's the reason why. There's no longer any fast food. I just wanted to let you all know. So make mine without blank has become the issue, and that's the title of our message. Um, Chili without beans. uh, Salads without dressing. Try that at, um, what's that Italian restaurant? Olive Garden. Say, uh, say, uh, You try to choose a different dressing. No, they make one dressing and it comes on your salad. And so I have to ask for a special bowl because I don't like that dressing. So I, what? You don't allow them? Anyway, so they bring me a special bowl without the dressing. And everybody in the whole place looks at me like I'm weird. Uh, So salads without dressing, that's my own personal one. Uh, TV without Commercials. Yeah, news without bias. Yeah, you know, that, that'd that be cool. I mean, we all have our preferences, right? Uh, what about living the Christian life without having any problems? We're all in for that. Yeah, no problems. Once you get on the train, right on to heaven, piece of cake, flower-strown pathways. All right, well... It sounds like a good deal, but I don't think any of this is possible because when we have things without, that means there's some things we need to do without, right? Okay, so Paul no doubt had heard about some of the problems that were in the Philippian church and he wanted to address some of them in this letter and he's, there's more coming. But he mentioned two negatives Christians should stay away from as we start out here. Because Christ did the, the, all of this. Died on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. Therefore, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And allow God to work in your life. Do all things without. Blank and blank. So these are a couple of things that he's saying. Philippian church... Church of the Nazarene in Brazil, Christians, a couple of things that you can do without. Get them off of your burger. Get them out of your life. Okay? Let's look at those. Do all things without complaining and disputing. And, uh, you know, different versions have different words, but I'm going to tell you what I think they mean. First one is Christianity without murmuring. Murmuring. Murmur, 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 murmur. Thank you, Debbie, because that's exactly what it means. I've been telling you that Paul chose specific words when he wrote, and these words have significance in our understanding and implementing his teachings. In this case, the Greek word means dissatisfied grumbling, murmuring, a spirit of discontent, the low, threatening muttering of a group of people who don't like what's going on. And some writers point out that even the Greek word sounds like grumbling or like the buzzing of bees. Wrap your ears around Gizmos. Bzz, 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 bzz. The whole idea of this word is a people who aren't happy with the leadership decision, a change that is being made. And so some of them begin to start some little secret grumbling. Bzz, 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 bzz. And that slowly begins to build up and spread. And it gets louder and louder until everyone knows that some upset bees are about to leave the nest and look out for their stings, right? This has nothing to do with the church, does it? I chose the word murmuring for two reasons. One is that the word also has the sound that we're trying to describe, buzz, 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 but murmur, 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 murmur. You ever heard it? The second reason is that Paul, by choosing this Greek word, is directly pointing to an Old Testament storyline that happened for quite a while. In fact, for many years in the Old Testament, in the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament called the Septuagint, this is the word that they used when all those people were grumping and complaining all the time, a lot of it during the time of Moses, they were grumping against Him and his leadership, and ultimately against the authority of God, we don't like the way things are. They were murmuring and complaining. Murmur, murmur, murmur. We want to go back to Egypt. We'd rather be slaves than free. We're getting tired of all this water that follows us around and sandals that don't wear out and food that comes for free every day. And we want something else. We don't like it. I was just thinking, man, free food? Clothes that never wear out? Water that follows you across the desert? I mean, what more could you want? <laughs> So in the Old Testament, God would punish them again and again because their murmuring and complaining led them to a spirit of rebellion against God's will and it kept getting them in trouble. So murmuring happens. It happens in every organization. You can't start anything new or different without a couple of people begin to grump and complain and growl and gripe. It starts out low and subdued. And then they find out there's a couple of more people that feel the way they do. So then it gets a little louder. And then they get talking to more, and pretty soon they're building momentum. And if enough discontented people join into the buzzing, there becomes open rebellion in the ranks, and leadership is going to get hurt or lose their job or get voted out. Or a riot will break out. Right? I don't know if you know this, but we're living in a world of a whole lot of murmuring. Murmuring. Which is leading to riots. Because I want it my way. Thanks, Burger King. All goes back to Burger King, folks. These millennials don't know any better. They grew up in a world before or after Burger King, so they don't know that you can't always have it your own way. Just try to eat a wind, not a wind, it's a, a, uh, who, who is it? Um, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a burger with onions, and they don't take the onions off. White Castle. You can't have it your own way. You get a White Castle. I've heard that. I've asked them to make it without ends. They say, no, we don't make them that way. Anyway. All right. That's what I've heard. I've never had a white castle. When I grew up, we called them scabs on a bun. Anyway. So here's this going on, this murmuring against God, against Moses, against Aaron, against the leaders, against whatever. It's interesting while studying this word that I discovered that Josephus and Philo and, and the Jewish rabbis played down in their writings and Old Testament translations this Old Testament murmuring of God's people against God. They tried to rewrite history in their in the translations and so on, as it were, to, to give a more favorable impression of the Jewish ancestors back here during this time when all they were doing according to God's word was grumping and griping and complaining. And God was working miracles in their lives. And all they did was growl about what they wanted to have. And like those historians, Christians today don't want to admit it, but this murmuring leading to uprisings actually happens in our churches and denominations. We'd like to rewrite history and say it's not there. but I guarantee you that there's been times in the history of this church when there's been some murmuring and complaining. I guarantee you. I guarantee you there's a little bit going on Today. You can't have a group of people without it, because somebody somewhere is not going to be as content as you are with everything that's going on. And so it happens in churches, it happens in denominations. In every church I pastored, there was some discontented buzzing from time to time. With me? How could that happen? I just don't understand it. I mean, I'm just such a wonderful person. But it happened from time to time. The good thing was most of the buzzing never got out of enough steam to do much harm. The stingers never got exposed. But once or twice, it got big enough and bad enough that some people actually left. People get hurt. People get stung. It's so sad when that happens in a church. Paul said, without murmuring. Boy, if we could have a church without murmuring, it would be a perfect church, and I'd have to leave. Because I'm not perfect. It's amazing That church people can get upset. What's more amazing is what they can get upset about. I can understand if there's a moral issue. I can understand that. But most of the time, it has to do with a change that was made. You mess with someone's personal preference. (sighs) You mess with a church tradition. We've never done it that way before. We've never done that before.
0: We' never did that before. That's something brand new. Oh no. I'm going to call up the other ladies and see if they've ever heard of that before.
1: It would be funny if it wasn't so church. Pretty soon you have the murmur, murmur, and the buzz,
0: buzz, buzz, buzz.
1: All right. I haven't preached in a while. That's our church tradition. And the buzzing begins. And if the buzzing grows loud enough, all of a sudden brotherly love disappears. Some people sit on this side of the church. Some people sit on that side of the church, and those in the middle are trying to bridge the gap. You middle rotors, make a decision. You old leftist and rightist. And so the buzzing gets going, it gets loud enough, the brotherly love goes, and guess what? Who gets hurt? New Christians head for the exits. Because if this is the way the church is, see us old timers, we're going to stay and grumble and gripe and be there because that's just what we do. But new people are going, you know what? This isn't what I thought Jesus was all about. Shame on us. The older you are in Christ, the more Jesus you should be like. But sadly to say, sometimes that doesn't happen. And so the Christian will head for the exit and the church begins to die. And it's happened again and again and again. So I have some advice to grumblers. Stop resisting the new things God wants to do. Amen? Surrender your preferences, your traditions, you're the way we've always done it, back to God. Because if it's not a moral issue, it's not really that important. I notice nobody else is clapping. Because to us they are important. And we have to be very careful. But if it's not a moral issue... They didn't always worship like this. There was a time before projection. There was a time before hymn books. The music wars. It's time to get past music wars. I'm glad our church has blended. And we're not like some churches, but I'm just just grateful for our leadership and our music. They do a real good job. Stop resisting. Surrender your preferences. Look for something fresh that is happening around you. Get involved in something new. Start a new ministry. Do something fresh and new and exciting in your church, ladies and gentlemen. Because those that are doing the work rarely have time to grumble, they're too busy. getting the work done, to be stirring up a fuss about something that's really not that important. Look what happened in the Old Testament, and be warned, because God provided miracle after miracle for his people in their exit from Egypt and along the journey to the promised land. You talk about tradition. Tradition was being a slave in Egypt for 400 years. That was the tradition. That's all they knew. And they liked the leeks and the onions and the garlic back in Egypt. And when God sent them free and gave them manna, which tasted sweet and melted in your mouth, and all you had to do was pick it up off the ground whenever you wanted some, they wanted to go back to the leeks and the onions and the garlic. And all they did was murmur and complain. Because they didn't hold the pickles, hold the lettuce. I want to have it my way. I want some onion on my manna. I don't know how that would have tasted, but it would have given him bad breath. So miracle after miracle from Egypt along the journey to the promised land, the constant grumping and griping meant everyone did not have a good time and they ended up spending 40 more years, 40 more years, 40 more years, right where they were, until all the grumblers died off, and then they could go in and have the promised land, 40 years. Let me tell you something, a little secret. The church today doesn't have 40 more years to waste. 40 years from now, if the church of today doesn't get off their little padded pews and do something for the cause of Christ, we're not going to have a church in 10 years. We're already wondering what's happening. Churches are closing every day. In America. Now they're having revival in South America and Africa. But here we're dying because of the grumbling, the griping. That's the way it's gonna be. It's my church. We do it my way. And it never was your church, it was always God's church. And it has constantly changed. And it will continue to change. And if this keeps going the way our country's going, we're not gonna have churches. We're going to be hiding in houses somewhere. That's what happened to other countries that are heading the road that our country is heading down. So ladies and gentlemen, you need to wake up because we don't have 40 years. If you're going to get your kids in and your grandkids in, we need to do it now. If your neighbors are going to get in, if we're going to have a church to worship in, And I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to be realistic because I'm concerned today that we grumble and gripe and waste away God's opportunities. Because God wants us to go forward and we need to keep moving and get moving and we need to start yesterday as the church of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't all happen just in a church. Because when anybody gets saved and starts living for Christ, there's bound to begin to be some buzzing. This is what the new Christian doesn't understand. Whenever they they become a Christian, they can't understand why everybody's not happy about it because everybody else is seeing the change in you, and they don't like it because it reminds them that they're living the old life. And so somebody in the family... Somebody at work, grumble, 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 grumble. Somebody somewhere, buzz, 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 buzz. Somebody got saved, and we don't like it. And of course, the devil adds to it and stirs it up and wants it to keep going. And he would like nothing better than to bust apart families. He'd like nothing better than to make you the the weirdo at, at, at your work. And he'd like nothing better than to cause trouble for your life. Someone at work or school is going to cause trouble. Some old friend is going to make a fuss. So new Christian, ignore the buzzing as much as you can and concentrate on growing with Jesus. Because you get a, you get saved, there's no be buzzing. There's going to be grumbling. Because you're not acting the same way. You're not doing the same things. Paul wrote, "Live your Christianity without grumbling, murmuring, complaining, griping." In other words, don't get caught up in the discontent of those who are more concerned with the way things used to be and are not experiencing something fresh in their relationship with God. You've got something fresh going on. Somebody else is going to grumble about it. I'm excited. Some of you bought in. Mentoring and doing things and starting stuff. And I'm just sitting back going, get them! Amen! Something's happening. Some of you are newer, and you're, oh, yeah, this Jesus thing is real. I like it. I'm growing deeper in Jesus. Hang in there long enough, and God will take you to depths you haven't ever experienced before. You're about ankle deep now. Wait till you get knee deep in the love and grace and mercy and joy of Jesus. And then jump in a little further, and it's up here to your thighs. And then it's in, woo when it gets up to your waist. Paul said, oh, the depths and the riches of the love and the mercies of God. Wow, his ways are past finding out. And sometimes we just need to jump in. Oh, man. He's got so much for us. So much for us. I wonder if that Christianity thing will get my toe wet. And God says, jump in. Focus on growing in Christ. Leave the discontented buzzing in the background. Don't let it get your focus. Serving God is always about new change and new excitement and new growth and new freshness and new things. Every day, God will make all things new, and new is what God's all about. And so if we're stuck in the old, guess what? God's in the new. Always has been, always will be. Old Testament, New Testament. I'm going to do a new thing. Is what God says. You cannot live with Jesus and expect things to stay the same old way because Jesus is alive and Jesus is moving forward. He never stops. He never slows down. He's got a a plan, he's got a purpose, and he's going that direction. If it means the cross, he goes to the cross. If it means exaltation, he goes to the exaltation, sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, sends us the Spirit, and every day he's praying for us. He's praying for us that we do something new, that we get fresh, that we get excited. Paul warned the Philippian Christians to not get caught up in the buzz. That's good advice. You will hear buzzing in this church. You will hear buzzing. What are you going to focus on? The buzzing or Jesus? I mean, this is as close to perfect churches as, as there is out there. But there's still some buzzers. Sorry. Always will be. You'll be surprised sometimes who it is. Sometimes they're just having a bad day. We all buzz once in a while. I've even buzzed, probably this last week. Don't listen to it when I buzz. When you miss two Sundays, you buzz if you're a preacher. I buzzed in emails to the board. I don't like it. Don't listen to the buzz. Listen to what God's doing, ladies and gentlemen. That's what God wants us to do, brothers and sisters. He wants us to get something fresh and new and exciting happening in our lives. And if we get caught up in the buzz, we're stuck. And the stingers come out, and we're going to hurt each other. And who are we really supposed to be fighting against? We've got an enemy, folks. Quit fighting against each other and find out who the real enemy is. Amen. What else should they leave out? There's something else. Christianity without doubting. Now, this word's going to surprise you because you look at the translations in the English, and it doesn't say that. Most translations have trouble with this second Greek word often giving it a meaning similar to the first word, such as disputing or arguing. In their mind translation, the low murmuring or complaining has now grown to open confrontations and arguments. And that is often the case, and I've already talked about that. But I think Paul, instead of using two similar words, the grumbling and then the out-and-out arguing, I think he chose two different words because he had two different things in mind. You see, the word Paul chose is more internal in meaning. It can be translated that way, but it also can be translated internal disputing and arguing. And it leads to a whole new area of problem for the Christians. Instead of external confrontation, which I think he's already addressing with the buzzing, many Writers think Paul is being more internal with this word, meaning discussion inside your own mind, pondering or debating in your own thoughts. And I tend to agree with this assessment. So Paul is focusing on a different spiritual issue than the murmuring problem from outside. He's talking about an internal murmuring and discussion and disputing and stuff that's going on within your own mind, that of questioning God's good intention toward you. Did God really mean that? Get you to doubt God, see? Or it could be doubting God's will. God really do not want you to do that. Or it could be internally, what am I supposed to do about this relationship? What am I supposed to do about my life right now? And so now we take the external murmuring, buzzing, and make it now a second thought, which is an internal issue and dispute in the mind, going, what is going on? And it's all in here, which now creates a whole different area called Doubt. And like murmuring happens in most churches sooner or later, doubting happens in most Christians sooner or later. If the devil can't get you sidetracked by the buzzing around you, then he's going to try to get you upset by the buzzing inside of you. And some of you, this is your biggest issue. tempt you to sin probably not but tempt you to get discouraged doubting depressed upset this trick is as old as Adam and Eve did God really say that that's really not what God meant what was the devil doing playing a mind game getting them to doubt God, that God is really a good, benevolent, wonderful God who gives us everything that we need and loves us so much. But no, God, he's holding that on you. God's really not leading you right. He really doesn't want you to do that. God doesn't care about you. That thing is really not that important that God's telling you to do. Well, oh, that really isn't a sin over there. You can do it. It'll be all right. God doesn't care. He's holding out on you. He's not going to help you as you go through this problem. And you know what? The church is full of frauds. Well, you can whisper the nastiest things in your mind. You need to make your own decisions. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to the preacher. Don't listen to that good person. You know what? God is a bully. All kinds of things that He will whisper into your mind. And you're such a mess that God can't even help you. He puts you down. He gets you messed up. He keeps getting these thoughts going in your mind. He keeps messing with you. He keeps getting you upset, discouraged, give up, quit. I'll never make it. I'm not good enough. The devil has a hundred lies that can bring doubt into the mind of a Christian. Evil thoughts, anxious thoughts, troubled thoughts, rebellious thoughts. That's how this word is translated throughout the Bible. That's why I think it's more internal than external. Same word. See, doubting God and his will and his best intentions for you, that becomes the problem I think Paul is addressing. If we become suspicious or skeptical of God being good and wanting the best for us, then we're probably about to break away from God's will and go do something that God doesn't want us to do. If he can get us thinking the wrong way about God and God's plan and God's purpose, then he can get us to quit. But let me make something real clear. God always has your best interest in his heart of hearts and mind of minds. He loves you like no one in this world loves you. He died for you. He cares for you. And don't let the devil tell you anything else. He loves you more than I do, more than Debbie does. He loves you more than we love each other. God loves you like no one else in this entire universe. He created all this for you. He breathed into nostrils the breath of life. He man becomes a living soul. He dies on the cross for us. He prepares a place for us. And every day he sends his spirit to live inside of us. There's nothing more God can do to show his love for you. So if somebody starts telling you in your mind that God really doesn't care, you know it's the liar. He is a liar. And the father of lies. Our relationship with God needs to be one of certainty and trust. And the longer you're a Christian, the more you grow in your faith and trust in Jesus. Because you'd say, God helped me in that situation last month. So then I know God will be with me this month to help me. God was there. So the new Christian, you've you got to build on that trust, and you got to build on that. An older Christian, they have so much faith that sometimes they just go and do. Amen? But we need to learn how God works, and this is where the devil gets in and begins to mess with our minds because God works differently than the devil does. I wish... And then I say, no, I don't, because, you know, I, don't, I can't tell God what to do. But in my humanity, I would wish that God would explain everything in full at the start of every new situation in life. You send me down, and I'll, now, Pastor, you're going to go to Brazil. There's going to be about 100 people there. 50 of them are going to buzz, and 50 of them are going to growl, and 50 of them are going to... And pastor, when, when you get there, you're going to have to deal with this, and you're going to have to deal with that. And you, you, know, He explained everything, just lay it all out there. No, he just says go, jump in the middle, make a big splash, and when you come up, <laughs> oh, that's going on? Thanks, God. You could have warned me. Oh, that's happening? Oh, thanks. Right? He throws you out there a lot of times, and he never explains all the things that you're going to have to deal with. I want you to teach the two-year-olds. You ever been in a class of two-year-olds? All right, jump on in. (laughs) Armed with a box of donuts and five diapers and this theologically prepared lesson, which they don't listen to. And so you go back to Jesus loves me, this I know. And hope they chime in. Well, that lasted two seconds. Now what do I do? Right? You see, God doesn't explain it all out ahead of time. That's the way that God works. He just says, jump in. I'll be with you. Thanks, God. Sounds Good. right? I wish you would just get, this is about what's going to happen. This is how I want you to handle it. This is uh, when you do, this is how I'm going to help you to make it turn out right. And then when this happens over here, then this is what you need to do. And if your A happens, then you do B. And if C happens, you do D. And if A through Z happens, then you do one, two, three. And if this, whew, thank you, God. Write it all down. Get it out. Sure enough. Oh, dirty diaper on day three. What do I do? Oh that's God told me about that. Right? Wouldn't it be awesome? God just spells it all out. Oh, the teenage teens, they're gonna be they're gonna be just fine, everything's gonna work out, they're all gonna behave, they're all gonna listen, they're all gonna put away their phones and they're all gonna sit down and they're all gonna say, Teach me, Ian, Almighty Master. You know, like Crotty Kid, just do whatever he tells you. Wax on, wax off. I don't understand. I wish God would explain everything at the start. But you know what? If He did, that would not build our trust. In order to build our trust, God doesn't always reveal everything to us at the beginning of the problem and new situation. The Christian must learn and remember that God's explanations about what he is doing and why he wants to do it this way and how and when and where and all that, sometimes, well, sometimes God just doesn't explain it all at the beginning. He wants us to just obey Trust and obey, for there's no other. Come on, who wrote that song? Explain and, and flesh it all out, and then I'll obey. That'd be better. ABC, one, two, three, X, Y, Z, PDQ. Boom. Got it down. If donuts don't work, take Popsicles. That'll be a great mess for two years. So if God doesn't explain the hows and whys, (laughs) I'll tell you when you find out. He explains them after you obey. Isn't that the way it always works? Go do this. You jump in and do it. You flounder around, you come up for air, you're blowing bubbles, you're about to drown. God help me, God help me, God help me. And he comes and helps you. And then you're in the middle of it, and then you find out, oh, this person's dealing with this. This person's dealing with that. This person, that's the way they act that way. They do because of this, that, and the other thing going on in their lives. And therefore, God, thank you for not telling in the beginning, because then I would have jumped in and started being specific towards these particular things. And this way I jumped in and was not specific, and you just taught me to teach them. Right? And then later he's, well, this, this is why. I told you to do that. And we go, oh, makes sense. Most of the time, when God explains to me the whys and hows and the wherefores, it's after I've already obeyed and got in involved and down the road. And that is how we learn to trust and obey God, that is how we grow in our faith. And that is how we become stronger Christians is because sometimes you just have to go and let God have his way. Let go and let God have his way. Get involved and let God begin to move because God has never called me to do anything that he didn't go with me. God has never called you to do anything that he will not go with you. He will help you through the darkest night. He will help you through the greatest experience of your life, the mountaintops and the valleys. God is there. He's an all-the-time God. He goes up and down with you. He's there. He carries the cross. He carries you. Sometimes he leads you. Sometimes he carries you. But I will never leave you nor forsake you is the promise that God gives us. And so he tells us to trust him. Only trust him. (laughs) How many songs are about trust? There's probably quite a few. How many songs about faith? See, this is such a practical thing. I want mine without. I want my Christianity without buzzing. Probably is not going to happen. But I'm going to do my best to focus on God, not the buzzing. I want my Christianity without doubting. It's not going to happen, but I'm going to do my best to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. That's about as practical as it gets. If Satan can get you entangled in a group of buzzing bees, he would like that. But he would also like to get you entangled with a lot of buzzing thoughts that get you to doubt the promises of God. And Paul warned the Philippian Christians not to get caught up in the traps of the murmuring or the doubting. So as you work out your own salvation and God is working in you for the pleasure of God, watch out for these two traps called murmuring and doubting. Instead, Paul wrote that you may become blameless and harmless. See, if you do without, this is what you add in. This is next week. Come blameless and harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. (laughs) That's where God wants you. Add that in. But do without this. Two things to do without. (laughs) Hold the murmuring, hold the doubting but add all the rest of this in and have it your way, God. Have it your way. Sometimes you just have to walk away from the negative influences if you're going to grow in the positive things that God wants to do in your life. The positive things are coming. But are we willing to get rid of a couple of negative things this morning? As we have family altar time, it's a time to talk to God about all kinds of stuff. But one of the things we talk to God about is how we can be a better Christian, a better follower, a better disciple. As the praise team comes and gets ready to sing, I just want to open the altar up and say, come on, let's talk to the Lord. If you've been hearing some buzzing, don't pass it on to another person. That just increases the buzz. Come and talk to the Lord about it. If you're hearing some doubting, share it with Jesus. He'd like to cast away all those doubts this morning. As we stand together and they sing, let's become victorious. Talk to him about personal issues, problems, relationships, decisions, finances, whatever it is. But if you're buzzing or doubting, let's talk to the Lord about those this morning. Let's pray. Lord, sometimes we just come to you with... Burdens and concerns that are bigger than ourselves. But nothing is too hard for God and nothing is too big for God. The problem is, is we try to carry it all on our own. And so, Lord, today we just like all across this congregation just to surrender things to you. Lord, help us to surrender the things that we can't change or do anything about. Lord, we just kind of drop them off and into your hands and say, Lord, you take care of it. Because other people are making decisions, other people are are going their own route, and there's a limit to what we can do about all that stuff. We're only one person in the midst of a big world, and Lord, we just have to surrender to God. We just have to surrender to your will, and we, Lord, just have to follow you. If it means to the cross and then to the resurrection to heaven, then that's where we're going to go, Lord. Lord. We're going to follow you up and down every day of our lives, back and forth, in and out. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And somewhere we just have to determine to do that. And Lord, we're determining that today. Lord, there's a lot of stuff going on from Washington to China to Russia to wherever, South America, Venezuela. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess. But Jesus is the constant, he's the focus, he's the center, and it's all about following Jesus right here, right now. I am determined to follow Jesus. I am going to follow him, no turning back. Lord, I just pray that you'll guide us in this. Help us to move forward. (laughs) Help us not to give in. Help us not to give up. Help us not to give an inch to the enemy today. Quiet the buzzing, quiet the doubting. And help us, Lord, to hear the voice. It's not in the earthquake. It's not in the fire. It's not in all that. It's the still, small voice. We need to hear your still, small voice today. Speak, Lord, for your servant hears you today. We want to hear your voice. Quiet every other voice until we hear God's voice. And it's not always what we want. But, Lord, that's why we say not my will but your will be done. So Lord, today we want to pray your will be done. Now Lord, help us as we turn our thoughts towards worship. We want to lift up Jesus. We want him to be exalted. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the reason why we are here. You're the reason why we prayed today. You're the reason why we surrendered today, because you are the King and Lord and Savior. So we worship you now, and with grateful hearts, we praise you. In Jesus' name,
0: amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon. If you're looking for a church in the Brazil, Indiana area, the Brazil Church of the Nazarene invites you to join us as we seek him, celebrate him, and serve him. Sunday morning, we have Sunday school at 9 a.m. and worship at 10 a.m. During worship, we have We Worship for preschool-age kids and a children's church for elementary-age kids. For this information, news, a schedule of events, and more, please visit us online at brazilnaz.com. That's B R A Z I L N A Z.com. Or visit us in person at 1002 East National Avenue in Brazil. Thank you and God bless.